Dear friends, welcome to another edition of Forum 2000 Chat. Today, our guest is Mr. Nuri Turkal, Uhur American attorney, public official, and human rights advocate based in Washington, D.C. Born in a re-education camp at the height of China's tumultuous cultural revolution, Mr. Turkal spent the first several months of his life in detention with his mother. He came to U.S. in 1985 as a student and was granted asylum in 1988. Mr. Tukad was appointed as a commissioner to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom in May of last year. In addition, Mr. Tukad currently serves as the chairman of the board for the Uyghur Human Rights Project, which he co-founded in 2003. Previously, he has served as the president of Uyghur American Association, where he led efforts to raise the profile of the Uyghur people in the U.S., including organizing and leading the campaign that culminated in the release of the renowned Uyghur prisoner of conscience, Mr. Rebia Kadir, in Miss Rebia Kadir in 2005. Since 2011, he has successfully represented a substantial number of Uyghur political refugees with their asylum applications in the U.S. Mr. Turkan has written for the Wall Street Journal. Time, Newsweek, Foreign Policy, The Independent, The Hill, and The Diplomat, and continues to raise awareness about the plight of Uyghurs and other Turkic Muslims in China through various advocacy and speaking engagements. Mr. Tugat, Nuri, thank you for joining us for this edition at Forum 2000 Online Chat. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you very much for the opportunity. Nuri, if I may. Of course. In your New York Times op-ed, uh, you have shared your personal story how you were born in a re-education camp, how you witnessed forced family separation at a young age when your father was sent to a different forced labor camp, and how you grew up watching the Chinese authorities humiliate Uyghur people. Today, this gruesome reality continues to be the case, and the so-called vocational training centers keep growing in numbers where detainees are subject to torture, rape, sexual abuse, forced sterilization in case of women prisoners, and once again, forced family separations. And it's only getting worse. In addition to labor camps, there's also mass surveillance used against Uyghur people as documented by a number of human rights organizations. What can you tell us about such horrendous human rights violations taking place right under our noses while the government of China keeps refuting any allegations and evidence brought forward? Why does it keep happening? And how does the Chinese government keep getting away with it? First of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to um, discuss uh, this important issue that have been part of my life um, uh, literally every day. Uh, I live, uh, breathe uh, with these issues every day, uh, particularly since 2017, where we were uh, told that uh, something really, really bad uh, was happening. Uh, we sounded the alarm, uh, met with uh, government officials here at home and around the world the immediate response was in disbelief, like how a country that we have economic diplomatic relationship with and uh, what on earth a country that we help to advance on a technological aspect, educational perspective and societal issues. And now doing this kind of uh, horrendous uh, a criminal act in the year 2017, you know, this was way back. Um, and I, we've been collecting information. We've been uh, talking to the actual camp survivors, uh, victims, and, and verified that uh, there have been a massive uh, collective punishment was in the works. 
Uh, initially, um, the Chinese came out and denied the existence of those camps. And then uh, they twisted and calling the, uh, the children's concentration camps as a boarding school and the, the ones for the adult as a re-education transformation center. Anyone who studied communist history, uh, anyone know a few things about communism, uh, know the meaning of transformation. Transformation means a forced indoctrination. Uh, so that's the slogan. That is actually what actually very telling uh, a terminology that they use to uh, 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 try to fool the world. And then I think it was around 2019 uh, after the, uh, the global international community started learning about these industrial scale um, concentration camps. Uh, the mountain uh, pressure forced the Chinese to acknowledge that not only they running these camps with a different name, but they also trying to tell the world that there are a large number of people been graduating. We have seen uh, a truckload of uh, Uyghurs transporting uh, from location A to location B. We also have seen uh, pictures of uh, villagers uh, uh, herded to the uh, train stations, unloaded up in the train and sent to uh, different places. So, so the, the forced labor camp uh, uh, reached to our conscience around that time that uh, initially what we were told that the graduation uh, literally means that uh, tr being transferred from the concentration camp to the forced labor camps. Some of those camps were built uh, adjacent to the concentration camps. Some of them built offsite uh, in a very uh, separate er areas. Uh, they're not accessible for general public. And then the journalists start investigating uh, uh, with the a comprehensive uh, report published by Australian uh, uh, Strategic uh, Partnership Institute uh, that li literally um, implicated more than 80 uh, global brands that include some of the, um, the consumer products that we use, uh, that we wear. Uh, and then uh, last year, something rather disturbing happened that um, New York Times reported that uh, protect, personal protective uh, equipment, PPEs, uh, this is much more worse in Europe, have been uh, made by enslaved Uyghurs and used to save lives during the pandemic. Around the same time, uh, uh, we were told that the United States uh, uh, Customs and Border Protection, CBP, the acronym, seized 13 tons of wig, uh, hair product. They investigated and determined that those hair products were made of Uyghur prisoners' hair. So those of us study history know exactly, uh, you know, wh under what circumstances this kind of behaviors happen. The Jewish people experienced uh, during the Nazi years uh, in Europe, very similar experience. Um, after that, we were to find out about the sexual violence uh, through the investigative reporting done by Adrian Zenz, uh, government's purposeful uh, systematic attempts to prevent uh, Uyghur population growth. Just in 2019 alone, uh, around 24% decline in Uyghur population growth. Um, with that, uh, you know, drip by drip uh, uh, evidence that we've been uh, receiving, the international community, particularly the United States, rightfully focused on 
China's uh, economic interest. There was um, an announcement made by the U.S. government uh, um, sanctioning this paramilitary unit called uh, Xinjiang Production Construction Corp that believed to have over 800,000 shell companies around the world uh, that has been sanctioned. And also uh, more than 52 entities being added to the Commerce Department's entity list. Uh, visa, uh, uh, visa restrictions were imposed. So there, there are a lot is happening in the United States, but the other countries are lagging behind. Uh, the, the, this modern day slavery is liter literally affecting everybody's life. If a Nike sneaker that you're wearing made by Uyghur slaves, if the hair, hair product, the wig that you're wearing, uh, if you have brown, light brown, dark brown, or a, a black hair, then, uh, then you, have a, you have an issue, the moral issue. And also, if you're using the PPEs that you buy from the stores to protect your life, and, and knowing that these products were made, made by modern-day slaves, the Uyghurs, then this is related to you. If the computer components that you're buying uh, uh, known uh, as, as something made by modern-day uh, Uyghur slaves, then this is related to you. And also, uh, uh, the soup that you drink at, at home, eat, eat at home, or ketchup that you use, uh, the Heinz ketchup and Campbell soup were also implicated. Or the car you drive, Volkswagen, for example, then this is your issue. So the international community can no longer say, oh, this is another human rights problem. This is our problem. This is on us now. We all bear responsibility also as users and consumers um, based on what you're saying. Um, that's, uh, that's really dark, really, when, when, when hearing this, this comment, how big um, the market is, especially when we talk about the, the products. Um, so how is it then, or maybe, maybe let me rephrase that, have you seen any impact of these economic sanctions or um, these measures that are being taken? I guess it also kind of goes back to what you were saying in an interview with um, Amanpour when you said that, you know, we're allowing history to repeat itself and um, expressing concern is no longer um, enough. It's not, it's not the same as taking action, um, you said. Um, so the action that is being taken, um, especially if, we, if you look from the economic perspective, do you find that it is actually having an impact? Uh, do you think that is, it is changing um, anything uh, around this issue? Um, Arzu, uh, you know that um, these issues are not a simple uh, uh, issues that we are starting to see. This has been in the works for many years, at least 20, 30 years. The international community has been, uh, uh, international economic uh, system particularly, been polluted by tainted um, a, a consumer products that were made by made through forced labor. And we're just finding, finding out about it. This has been uh, going on for so long. I recall in early 2000, um, I was asked to look at a, a manual for um, uh, a, a New Balance, the uh, sports outfit uh, based in Boston that has assembly line in China that were using uh, Uyghur uh, workers I helped them to review their uh, workers' manual in, in Uyghur. This was way back in early 2000. And also in 2009, there was a brawl in a toy factory in the uh, Chinese province of Guangdong 
and that resulted in ethnic clash uh, in the homeland uh, because government failed to investigate those mobs uh, beaten up and killed the Uyghur workers. So this is something going on for quite a long time. So, so it takes equally longer time to reverse the course. Uh, yes, Washington Post just reported yesterday that one of the companies, one of the suppliers, uh, complaining about their uh, economic, their books being affected negatively, significantly in the last two years. Uh, if this becomes a collective um, action, a concerted action, a collaborated action, then uh, we can tackle this quite easily. If the United States alone uh, implementing measures going after bad actors. Uh, Secretary Pum uh, Blinken said uh, in his confirmation hearing when he was asked, what will you do in the next 30 days to uh, stop the ongoing genocide? His response was that I need to um, make sure that uh, forced labor products will not come to the United States. And also I wanna make sure that the technology, the US technology will not be used to facilitate these ongoing crimes. But that has been in the works. Uh, it has been in the works, but we have to remember uh, two things. One, uh, this cannot be uh, uh, something that the U.S. can do alone. This is a global issue. The reason is this. Um, uh, Center for Strategic International Studies published a policy paper last year. Uh, there's a chilling stat in this, um, which basically states, stated that uh, United States, with all the uh, executive actions, legislative actions been taken, uh, still remains to be the largest destination for the quote-unquote Xinjiang exports. During the, during the period of April 2019 uh, through April 2020, the export volume to the United States increased by 250%. During the same period, uh, 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 the export volume to Italy increased by 200%. This, this issue is much more serious in Europe because Europeans are still not really waking up to this brutality. As uh, admitted by uh, this particular supplier, large supplier, uh, this is making an impact two ways. One, this is affecting the economic health of the CCP, the Communist Party or Chinese Communist government. And then two, uh, this kind of conversation that we're engaging, the reporting has been done almost daily, multiple times in multiple as aspects. Uh, putting the China, uh, Chinese government on the spotlight, which is good. The international community starts seeing what this government is really about through the uh, prism of the way that they're treating the Uyghur people. Former Secretary of State Pompeo was spot on when he said that the way that the Chinese government is treating the Uyghurs is a stain of the century. Any of us, anyone, even 10-year-old even old know there's a thing called never again, but that never again rings shallow because the international community failed to act uh, after the uh, U.S. determination of uh, the atrocity as genocide. I've been spending enormous amount of time studying uh, international criminal law, the history of genocide, uh, the Holocaust. Uh, since 1988, uh, since our country adopted, uh, ratified the Geneva Convention, only five secretaries of state made similar determination. And these determinations are about Iraq, Rwanda, Bosnia, uh, uh, ISIS. Uh, and now this determination may, was made against China. The United States and China has an intimate economic relationship with. The international community is trading with this um, uh, genocidal regime as we speak.
And, and this is a shameful situation. This is unconscionable. And also in the broader aspect, since 2012, um, if you just count the time that we start learning about the, the, the crimes being committed against the Yazidi community, in the last eight years alone, we are seeing three genocidal campaigns. First against the Yazidis by ISIS and the, uh, the, the, the genocidal campaign against uh, Myanmar, uh, in, in Myanmar against Rohingya Muslims. It is still ongoing. It's getting worse. And now the Uyghur genocide. What are we doing? What are we doing in this third world? What kind of leaders that we have in power look the other way and seeing this kind of stuff over and over again? That's why I said it's on us. We are allowing this horrific history to repeat itself. After the Holocaust, we were told that never again. It's almost meaningless proposition now because the economic interest and certain political leaders' political future outweighs uh, the, the, the cost their silence is causing to the people around the world who are desperately looking for voices to be lent, desperately looking for governmental uh, societal actions to save their lives. And it's and yet we see publications like The Economist, for instance, that ran a story titled Genocide is the wrong word for the horrors of Xinjiang. And it's just incredible to, to hear um, these kind of um, news delivered, especially at a time when it is actually being discussed in, in the other way. Um, and then there was this a, the, a letter that was signed by 37 countries in July um, addressing the UN Human Rights Council um, that actually praised uh, China's remarkable achievements in the field of human rights. Um, and it's rather ironic that most of the undersigned uh, countries, um, you know, had their own grave human rights violations, you know, the countries like Philippines, countries like Belarus, countries like Russia and Syria, and, and many others. Um, so my question is, you know, as, as there is this global campaign um, to address this issue. How much do these futile attempts, like signing of this of this document, like for instance the Economist article that um, gave a very wrong title to a story, how do these how do these attempts undermine the work that you do and the work of so many other advocacy and policy organizations um, calling for change? The the letter that you're mentioning. Um, is, is very revealing how effective the Chinese uh, three C's, corrosive, corrupt, um, uh, corrosive uh, uh, influence operations have been in the works. Uh, they managed to divide the world uh, pro-concentration camp against, uh, against concentration camp. Uh, so when you look at it, the countries they came out that came out um, against the concentration camps are uh, liberal democracies. Um, and the others that, as you, as you perfectly pointed out, uh, countries with dismal human rights records, we, what we have here is Venezuela, Iran, uh, uh, Cuba, uh, Uzbekistan, Kazakh. I mean, they, it, it's just mind boggling. And also some of these countries, not only signing on the letter, but they also uh, publicly phrasing Xi Jinping's treatment of the Uyghur people. I like to tell them, look, your religion is under attack. The Chinese communists call your religion, your, your fellow Muslims, and mentally ill people. They try to uh, uh, clear out their Islamic faith through chemicals, 
um, there's a phrase that they use. They said, it says, you cannot uh, clear out weed one by one, but you must spray chemical. That's exactly the wording that Secretary Pompeo used in his statement when announcing the genocide. These countries need to think about two things. One, uh, what they are doing, especially the Muslim countries, is un-Islamic. You are not only uh, helping uh, your fellow Muslims, but also you making it making it more difficult and easy, uh, difficult for the Uyghur uh, Muslims, but easy for the uh, uh, the Chinese to continue. Uh, the countries like Turkey, Malaysia, Indonesia have a huge responsibility. They're not an average Muslim country. And um, uh, especially in the case of uh, Turkish President Erdogan, he likes to say that he is out there to be the voice for the, um, the Muslim people when it comes to the, uh, the Uyghur Muslims, uh, almost like the sibling of uh, the Turkish people in, I don't know, uh, in, in Turkey. Uh, he, he won't say anything. He has not said anything in public. Of course, there are some uh, politicians in Turkey in parliament uh, here and there raising their voices, but it's not enough. And on the other issue, which is much more uh, significant, the, since the announcement of the genocide determination, uh, some scholars, uh, some uh, opinion leaders, uh, some journalists, uh, mixing up their uh, views uh, towards uh, CCP, with uh, Pompeo uh, and also Trump. You can dislike, you can oppose anyone, anything uh, that the Trump administration did. Uh, if you focus too much on that aspect, you're actually helping this issue to be politicized. Uh, you unwittingly helping uh, the issue to become a political issue. This is a non-political issue. This is a bipartisan issue. The fact that U.S. Congress, uh, especially the Senate, have voted on the Uyghur Policy Act and the, and the Forced Labor Prevention Act unanimously uh, speak volume. And also the fact that the Congress with 435 members and over 400 voting in favor of the Uyghur bill speaks volume. And the fact, importantly, Pompeo makes a decision and Blinken endorses also speak volume. So the attempt to politicize this, uh, one party against the other party, simply you're doing Chinese uh, CCP uh, uh, propaganda a huge favor. That kind of good faith disagreement, you know, in the free societies, disagreement is a healthy thing. And lawyers disagreeing with, with each other is, is exactly what we do. We, that's how we train to do. And the State Department lawyers disagreeing with each other, even having a split memo, even disagreeing with their boss, uh, Pompeo or Blinken, is a healthy thing. But that should not be used to delegitimize uh, the determination or politicize the case. Uh, if you're not careful, I mean, this includes the, uh, the uh, horrific, erroneous uh, claim that uh, economists made. Um, I, 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 I like to point that I've been reading economists almost more than 20, dec uh, 20 years, two decades. And I, I, I can say that I learned a lot from economists, but I was, it was so disappointed that they are uh, dragging this uh, a sensitive issue where we're dealing with the lives of the Uyghur people, like with real lives, like yours, like mine, like theirs. Uh, we're talking about half million Uyghur children have been separated from their family members. We're talking about Uyghur women being used as a sex object being subject to sexual violence. Uh, we, I've talked to people, like real people who have gone through this. 
Um, I, someone who has been working on this day in, day out, uh, I could not even continue to read the, the BBC report. Even though I, I know this victim very well, uh, we facilitated her arrival to the United States. We're still helping her. At the same time, even someone like me, who was part of this, um, uh, this movement uh, against genocide, could not fathom uh, uh, the nature, the, 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 the horror that the Uyghur woman had been going through. So if you just personalize uh, this uh, with a simple thing, like it could be my sister, it could be me, it could be someone who is related to me, it would be easier to appreciate what is really happening to the Uyghur people. So my message to those, um, the intellectuals, reporters, uh, uh, thought leaders, um, leave that debate for tomorrow. Let's save the lives first. Uh, you have a plenty of uh, a chance to relitigate, criticize, write law review articles, academic papers, uh, op-eds, column. You have plenty of, plenty of opportunity. The world is experiencing with the third genocidal campaign in less than 10 years. Let's stop this. I'm sure that there's something else also brewing up in other countries. If you don't stop, if you fail to stop this immediately, uh, collectively or individually uh, by various nations, we will be regretting. The Uyghur people don't want to be studied, a case for study in a history book like the Jewish people. What is the point of putting uh, uh, a people afterwards in a museum or a textbook? Let's deal with the real issues. That's my message to the, the publications like The Economist and also skeptics. You know, talking too much about the determination buys time for the perpetrators. This allow the, allows the genocide to continue. This kind of unnecessary um, uh, back and forth, uh, uh, even if it's a good faith, uh, facilitates, allows the perpetrators to continue the uh, genocidal campaign and the process. It's very dangerous. It amounts to genocide denial. And it's, it, there's a legal ramifications for that kind of behavior in some countries. Yeah, the shift in, in conversation just, you know, it's, it's mind boggling to me as well to see how, how this is happening on so many different levels. Um, Nuri, I have one final question and um, it's about you uh, being named uh, Time Magazine, uh, 100, one of the 100 most influential people. Congratulations on that, that's, that's incredible. Um, what are your plans next? Um, What's, what's, the, what, what's the hope? What's the wish? My, my, um, my mission has been um, uh, initially, you know, I've been doing uh, human rights work, even though I have a day job, I have a normal professional life. Uh, I'm a practicing lawyer. Um, uh, and I, I have been trying to focus on a law practice, but the Chinese government won't allow me to have a normal uh, uh, professional life. Um, early on, uh, when I was a law student, 9-11 uh, happened, and Chinese started calling my people as a terrorist. So I had to jump in and, and help um, uh, in a way that I, can, I could. Uh, and, then the, and then the U.S. government uh, rounded up uh, a group of uh, Uyghurs uh, from Afghanistan brought to Guantanamo. So I got involved in that Guantanamo litigation all the way to 2010. It literally took, um, uh, I got involved in that work for about uh, six years. And then um, after we are done with that, I thought that I could focus on my uh, professional life. And then July 5, 2009 happened. And then I pulled at it again. Uh, since 2015, um, uh, I have been 
very, very uh, involved in the Uyghur human rights work, uh, particularly because since Xi Jinping took power, uh, everything was taking a 180 degrees turn. Uh, initially, punishment on the spot was implemented. Even the traffic police were given a gun to shoot uh, non-compliant uh, people, the Uyghurs. And then uh, now we have this issue. So when the Time 100, 100 contacted me, my, uh, my being selected for that uh, uh, honorable list, my immediate reaction was, um, and is, is very mixed. Uh, mm. It is an honorable thing. Uh, you know, I was not honored for uh, winning in the landmark case in the US Supreme Court. As lawyers, that's something really significant. It can be considered as a huge accomplishment, but I was recognized for my work against genocide. Um, and, and similarly, uh, on January 19th, when uh, Secretary Pompeo announced that decision, is someone in my personal and official capacity uh, promoting uh, and, and advising that to be the case uh, for a, quite a long time or advocating for that decision, um, I could not make, make up anything whether I should be happy or unhappy. If I wanted, if I tried to be happy, we're talking about a regime killing my people, right? If I'm not, if I tried not to be happy, then this is a huge recognition. This is such a huge uh, decision that people need to understand. Again, only five similar decisions were made by the United States government since 1988. And this is not Rwanda uh, that we're dealing with. This is a, a second, next superpower perhaps. Mm-hmm. world's second largest economy. Uh, so it, it has been a rewarding but challenging experience. My uh, professional life has been uh, negatively affected uh, uh, in which, uh, in, in a way that I could not fully commit uh, in my law practice. Uh, this year has been better. Uh, I mean, since the pandemic, because I've been staying in one place instead of traveling around the world. At least I can manage my time. So the, the, the short answer to your question is this. Um, the Uyghurs are well known enough now that, that a lot of people uh, care and work for the Uyghur cause. I can say this with certainty. 90% of the work uh, advancing the Uyghur cause are done by non-Uyghurs these days. Unlike the, uh, the, the grassroots movement, um, uh, particularly uh, like the Tibetans, that built bottom up, but the Uyghurs are top down. They initially, they educate, uh, the, the social elites, the thought leaders, the, the judges, you know, starting to learning about it. And now the general public are knowing through uh, the products that they're using. Um, so I, I, I like to use that platform um, uh, to, uh, to educate more people to see the, see the issue through the eyes of the Uyghur people, uh, help the international community or those who are interested to understand this is more than an economic interest, more than a national interest, more than even a national uh, security interest. This is a dealing with, um, that we were dealing is, is a real issue. And also I'm using this to uh, educate people that religious persecution actually gets you a disastrous instability, not the stability that you're hoping for. Religious persecution is, is, a, uh, is a crime against Religious persecution is, is the first step, uh, is a precursor for a genocidal campaign. 
in the history, uh, whether it be uh, a Nazi campaign against Jews and now the uh, communist Chinese campaign against the Uyghurs, all of them have a very strong um, uh, reason behind to attack religious and ethnic minority. The world needs to know this. This is actually creating more instability and security concerns for the countries around the world. And finally, I'd like to use this platform uh, that I have uh, in my personal and official capacity to be a voice for those who are underrepresented. Uh, in my official capacity and official role, I monitor religious freedom uh, in uh, uh, countries in Azerbaijan, uh, Uzbekistan, even Turkey, uh, and elsewhere in, 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 in Asia. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, looking for uh, attention, seeking attention and to be heard. So uh, it's, been, it's been an a enormously challenging uh, journey for me, but uh, tide is turning. Uh, we're making progress uh, in a short uh, three years from being in a uh, disbelief situation to how do we stop this uh, as a position, which is breathtaking. Uh, I'm talking about similar level of government officials responded uh, to my um, uh, calling to pay attention in this belief then uh, to now say, tell me more, what can I do? Uh, what do we do? This is not good. This is wrong. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really uh, a, a fast development. Uh, I am very pleased, but I'd like to see similar type of um, uh, bold actions, uh, uh, public statements as, as, as the one by Dominic Robb the other day uh, at, at the UN, calling it industrial scale uh, persecution. That should be the catchphrase. That should be the word that uh, our European allies and partners should adopt uh, in speaking about the atrocities that the CCP has committed against the Uyghur people. Well, I, I very much hope to see uh, this, this move forward, this collective action, this collective understanding and awareness and um, Nuri, wishing you uh, best of luck and, and patience in this cause, this in this mission that you have. Um, and I wanted to thank you finally for um, accepting this invitation, uh, being the guest of Forum 2000 Online Chat. It's been such a pleasure uh, and also an honor to speak with you. And thank you once again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I enjoyed our conversation, even though it's a, such a grim uh, heavy topic. Uh, we have to talk about when you talk about the issues, you will uh, you will eventually end up finding a solution. We have absolutely, to absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you.